We don't play the social game. We are social. Power 98.5. Hi, this is Dan Aykroyd. He's progressive. He's beautiful. He's thoughtful. He's intelligent. He's powerful. He's positive. He is Stephen Quoco on Power 98.5 Satellite Radio. You're listening to Power 98.5, powered by United Angels Dream, your number one resource for public relations, entertainment, and multimedia. Contact them today at unitedangelsdream.com. Hey, what's up? My name is Grant Kenoki. I'm a singer, songwriter, producer, and artist, and you're listening to Power 98.5. Empowering listeners from the U.S. to the U.K. Live on air with Stephen Cuoco. We are back-to-back with awesomeness today. The turnout, man. (laughs) Listen, I got to do this introduction. Stop making me laugh. Uh, we just had Brian. We're still uh, like just talking and about like uh, not only the interview I just had with Brian Quinn. You know him from Impractical Jokers. Uh, we were sharing and talking about the the shows we were watching and and season nine and and catching up, talking about Brooke Shields and just everything. Um, I was even we were pulling up uh, some of the the past skits and, and episodes that were going on uh, or being shared online by the guy. So I'm still laughing. We're still talking. Uh, it was an hour ago. We had him on earlier. Uh, definitely, uh, you know, check our schedule. Go to power985.com. You can uh, go ahead and do what you do best on top of loving our station. Click the tab on the top. Live music. You can either do click the tap in live or live music. Check the local schedule. Uh, uh, Resilient You with Alicia Pazzoni. New episode this Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern. Uh, definitely tune into that. Yeah, she's uh, she has a German music artist that she interviewed. Yeah, really, really talented. Really, really amazing. Um, I don't want to. It's fair. I don't want to say it because I'll probably end up messing up her name. Um, Alicia says it better. So just, just know to tune in her show this Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern. Catherine is coming back. Uh, she's been in London. She's been in, I think she went to, uh, Spain. Now she's somewhere else right now. I think maybe, I don't know if it's Mexico where she's, no, she's in Spain. Yeah. Uh, visiting family out there. She's coming back too. Catherine and company with Catherine Swain. She's on 11 a.m. Eastern time on Sundays. Uh, Brian Quinn, I'm going back to that. Uh, I, I I never thought I would interview him. Not that I, I wouldn't. I just I just never know or plan who I'm going to interview on my shows. It's, it's quite interesting how things align. And season 10 of Impractical Jokers starts February 9th. They've got a tour coming up. Uh, that's starting on... The 28th, two days. I'm going to go. Can we pull pull that back up for me if you could, please? I um, I want to get that list again. Yeah, I wasn't too sure if I was going to plug that in with this interview with uh, Chef Mike Eccles from 
Uh, Netflix, Pressure Cooker, Season 1. I gave it two thumbs up. Guys got to watch that show. It was very well done. Mike is super awesome. Um, real quick, the Drive, 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 Drive Tour starts January 28th, Reading, Pennsylvania. Uh, this is for the Impractical Jokers. Brian Quinn and the guys, uh, they're doing a, a full-on tour in 30 city arenas nationwide. Um, as a big favor, I want to share and give that shout-out out there to them. Uh, once again, this is a radio show, not a podcast. You can uh, go to Amazon Music, Amazon Audible, iHeartRadio, and Spotify when you are not available or if you happen to miss any of my live shows or not available to tune in when we re-air these lives, definitely go to Spotify, Amazon Music, Amazon Audible, iHeartRadio to catch up. Share with your friends, your family. Use those links and add those to your EPK. Um, send those out to other press media people. You know, Let them know, hey, I'm still in the media. I just got interviewed by acclaimed radio personality as they call me, Stephen Cuoco on Power 98.5 Satellite Radio. Have fun. This is about you. It's for you. I, what? Yeah, did um did we get any more messages? Yeah, great point. Thank you. Uh, whether you're listening on the iOS or Android app or on power985.com, click that bottom right-hand icon. We've got Mike Eccles today. Whether you want to share a comment, compliment about the show, you have a question for Mike, send a message over to, to my team. We're here that's there, that's available 24-7. It doesn't mean we're going to be answering information if when we're sleeping, uh, but that is there. Once again, power985.com. Download the iOS or Android app. Click that bottom right-hand icon. Send us a message. If you'd like to be a guest on any one of our shows, send us an email, power98.5radio at gmail.com. Uh, we're going to go... We we already ran through the schedule. Yeah, I want to get to Mike today because he's got a he's got a, a full on production restaurant. So many things going on today, and I want to utilize our time accordingly. You know him best. He was in the final two with Robbie Jester on this season of Netflix. Pressure cooker, two thumbs up. I don't give any show on Netflix two thumbs up unless I really, really, really like it and this show i had no hesitation to watch i was looking forward to watching it and i finished it in less than two days i'm that quick when i uh binge watch content because i like to stay fresh uh, if you haven't heard robbie jester's interview head on over to any of those podcast channels it's there it's available mike good afternoon and welcome to live on air with steven cuoco how are you Hey, good. How are you, Stephen? I'm doing great. I know a lot of things are going on. Construction. You, uh, you're on a call with us uh, in your car, in your vehicle. Very, very grateful for that. I, I know we were looking forward to using that awesome, fancy uh, USB mic that you were going to use. But hey, you're running a successful business over there at Abode Fine Dining. You can head on over to Abode Fine Dining at abodefinedining.com. A B O D E. 
fine, F-I-N-E-D-I-N-I-N-G.com. What's the scoop? What's it, What's life been like since the show, my friend? Yeah, so since the show, you know, uh, it's kind of business as usual besides my phone is just blowing up. Like, I, my phone has never blown up like this my entire life. Um, I would say every day I get like a thousand followers on social media and then like hundreds of messages from people from around the world. People from Nepal, Uganda, Kenya, all over Europe, all over Asia. It's wild. You know, um, I can't respond to all of them, but most of them, I can at least give them a like or something, you know. And what are they saying? Are, are they offering you a job or they're saying, listen, we're going to pay you $50,000 and send a private jet to come fly you out to to these uh, to these countries to cook for us? Um, so I've, I mean, it's kind of all across the board, you know, a lot of them, a lot of them were saying, Mike, I wish you would have won or things like that. But, um, you know, a lot of people are saying, Hey, I need some advice on whatever I'm cooking or, Hey, I'm a student in culinary school. Like, what should I do? Kind of thing. You know, things like that. I've been reached out by like food photographers, people like that, all kinds of different, you know, walks of life um you know so some, sometimes they're catching my eye and i'm responding but like i said it's been a lot uh since the show came out what have you learned about yourself from watching the show because obviously you guys get to see and hear everything uh once you know to be able to watch the full season were you surprised by certain people uh, that certain things were said, certain things that happened in a good way, or do you see anyone differently now since the show, since the competition, and we're like, wow, I didn't know that they thought of me like that. How do you feel about who you are and, and what was said about you? Yeah, so I, I was going to say, I thought Netflix, for the most part, did a pretty good job at displaying who people are you know, like even like behind closed doors and things. I thought most people were pretty true to their character besides me. I swear I was the only person where Netflix cut out like every single thing that I said and only put in like clips of, cause I was, you know, I was filming for three weeks for this show. Um, you know, like cram it all into like five hours or something like that. Right. So they had to cut out 99% of it. Um, and it was just pretty funny. They, they make me seem like the most serious guy in the world when on that show it's like every single time i'm talking i'm like really serious and uh i'm not like that in real life you know it was kind of just like you know i guess how they edited the whole thing um i would say though uh you know gina gina was like you know seemed a little mean on camera i think she was a little nicer in person though like if you actually went and talked to her and hung out with her because we lived in the same house for over a week uh you know she was she was pretty cool um, she wasn't as mean as, as the camera made her seem. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. That's something Robbie and I were talking about. And I really like her. And you never know who you're going to be or become until you're in certain situations. And, I, you know, you really can't, for myself, I don't find fault in that because we are human beings and we live a certain life every single day. We are accustomed to, to what we're aware of and who we are and what we do every day within those comfort zones and within our regular daily environments. And with this, um, what have you learned about yourself, Mike, that, you know, even though the show 
and and that, I agree with you. I love Netflix. They do exceptionally well, especially with this, with the the editing and and the way they presented everyone. Uh, what did you get from it from who you are? Because you're you're in your twenties, your your mid or so twenties. Who is Mike Eccles? What do you want people to know who you really are? Since you can set the stage and be like, "Thanks for watching the show." I appreciate the love and support. I appreciate you guys believing and feeling I should win. Who, who's Mike, and what do you what do you want to set the record straight about? Yeah, so I would say I would say um, the number. You know, there's a couple things. Uh, number one, you know, I'm a you know I'm a pretty big like Christian in my church. So like I was you know um, doing a lot of stuff and having some conversations with some of the people on the show. Uh, you know, that were more important than just like your daily things. You know what I'm saying? More important than just like, how's the weather or what's the next competition or what, whatever it is, you know? So that was cut out, but also just like, I'm kind of a goofy guy. Um, you know, I, I like to have a good time. It was actually funny. Robbie had posted on his social media, like someone said, what was like the funniest part about the show? And he said, anything Mike said was hilarious. That's what he said. So um, it was, you know, it was a good time for sure. I've never laughed so much in my life between Robbie, Ed, me and a bunch of camera guys all walking around. It was hilarious the whole time. Like I couldn't stop laughing sometimes. It was great. Are you proud of yourself? Yeah, I, I would, I would like to think so. Yeah. Um, Even though, you know, I didn't win it, but like I, I had a goal that I was going to try to get to at least the finals. You know, and then if I got to the finals, I was happy. So, you know, I was happy with everything. I believe your decision of picking Robbie was perfect. And you stated on the show why you picked him. And has it, what has that done for your relationship with Robbie? And where are you guys at now behind the scenes? You know, now that the show is, is done, it's, it's still getting a lot of great accolades. People are watching it. They're loving it. Where are you in your, where's, I mean, <laughs> what, where's your relationship with Robbie now? Yeah. So I would say, um, you know, we're, we're definitely on good terms, you know, obviously he lives in Delaware and I live in Michigan, so that's pretty far. I, he actually invited me to his wedding this year, but I was not able to attend just because, you know, it's, it's pretty far for just one wedding, you know, and I had a bunch of dinner parties that I had to, you know, my hands were kind of tied here in Michigan um, but yeah, you know, I just talked to him on the phone the other day. He seems like he's doing great. So I'm happy that he got that hundred K he was able to pay for that wedding. And, um, you know, it's, uh, from what I hear has been going good with him as well with all the private chefing and all of that, that he's doing. That's awesome. You're 26 years old. When's your birthday? Actually, I'm 27 now. Wow. My birthday was a month ago. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thanks. Happy, happy birthday. Yeah, I, I'm an old man now. I'm in my late twenties. You know, I, I, you know, I got a, I got a cane. I got a walker and everything. You know. <laughs> well, hopefully you don't need a catheter. Yeah, let's, yeah, we'll see. That doesn't. That's not the fun part about getting old. But the cane's cool. So. All right. Well, hey, I'm enjoying that. At least you've got a. Um a a tool or something you can use unless someone you know decides that they want to be foolishness around you that they know better that uh you can pick that cane up real quick and uh knock them over the head if you have to <laughs> yeah for sure uh you're uh i remember seeing a video of you on your instagram i i believe that's your girlfriend she was doing great carrying in those um those boxes <laughs> i believe what was in there were there tiles in there 
Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I'm a, I own a private chef company. So what we do is we do fine dining, like multi-course menus in people's homes. Um, the business is a couple years old, so we've kind of been like working out of ghost kitchens and residential homes and things like that. But I've been working on my own personal commercial kitchen for a while. It's been a process the entire year. And, uh, you know, if, if anybody knows anything about commercial kitchens or if you don't know, I'll tell you, they're really expensive. Every single thing that you put in that kitchen is like way more than you would think it would be. Like I'm holding like like a, a plastic tube and it's like 70 bucks. I'm like, how in the world is this tube 70 bucks? But whatever. Um, so I've been working on that and she's been helping out uh, as much as she can, which is, um, you know, pretty, uh, pretty thoughtful. You know, I'm not paying her. So like, uh, you know, I'm not paying her. So she's still helping out anyway. So that's pretty great. That's love. That's what you call love and support. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Uh, you can head on over to Mike's Instagram page. Mike has the Flav, M-I-K-E-H-A-S-T-H-E-F-L-A-V. I'm going to be honest. I want to not sample, and I want bigger portions than what I'm looking at now. You posted cold lobster salad, fennel yogurt, heart of palm. Uh, this was back in October, what is that, 16th. Um, I want a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, so so I have gotten some people seeing that from my photos, but here's the thing, though. So I typically do a five-course menu, and even in addition to that menu, you're getting bread service, a palate cleanser, and a muse. Um, so there's a lot of different things going on. So if I gave people any bigger portions than that, they wouldn't be able to finish it. Um, even like a lot of the ladies that I do dinners for, they need carry out boxes by the end of it. Cause it's just, it's a lot of food after it's all said and done, you know? Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. I don't yeah, I, but, go ahead. Huh? No, go ahead. Right, please. So, so the, the thing, the thing about a tasting menu that's different than the way you typically eat. So this is the best way I've heard it explained. So let's say you go and you get yourself a burger. Um, that first bite you take into that burger is super good. You're like, oh man, this is like the best thing I ever ate. You know, this is awesome. And then the second bite, you still feel the same way. The third bite, you know, it starts to not taste as good. And then by the fifth or sixth bite, you're just eating. Like you're not really tasting the food anymore. So that's what the goal of a tasting menu is. It's trying to get that first bite sensation throughout the entire menu. So an hour and a half of just that first bite sensation. So each course I do, you know, might be about like eight bites, eight to 10 bites, but over the course of time, you're getting full and you're having a better experience with the meal. Does that, here's my thought, and I've always wondered this. I don't know if I've ever, I've gone to tastings before, um, not at the level of what you do. Does the, since you have like say five plus dishes, does the taste, like let's say if I'm going to eat, all right, I, what I want to do is the cold lobster salad, fennel yogurt, heart of palm and then we go to lamb so bucko bucko i'm probably messing it up asabuco asabuco <laughs> savory squash and chestnut tart is that gonna does it pair well to where i'm getting the second dish the third dish the fourth dish the fifth dish as though i did not eat something before that is the experience going to be the same and just as powerful yeah, I, I think so. So part of the goal, too, is making every plate like a like a piece of art. And something we kind of do is when we're planning out these menus, we really got to think about, um, you know, what like how acidic is it? How 
how fattening is it? How heavy is it? How light is the food? Because that's going to determine what we can run for the next course. Like if I had five courses and every single thing was full of butter and dairy and heavy, you know, the client or the guest would be like kind of, you know, sick to their stomach by the end of the meal. So you really got to portion it out. And something that I do um, is I do like progressive um, weight, I guess you could say on the menu. So I start off with the courses a little smaller and then a little bit lighter. So like really like cold seafood dishes, like a lot of high acidity and, you know, olive oil or something instead of butter for fat. And then I progressively get heavier with the dishes. Um, And that's how a wine pairing also works. Uh, as well typically so typically for a wine pairing you're going to start with your lightest whites then you go to your heavy whites your light reds and then your heavy reds to finish it all off before dessert Mm -hmm. um so that's kind of how i run it just to kind of keep the experience as good as it can possibly be the whole meal where have you in i don't uh, i feel weird to ask this question because you seem to be flawless uh on the show and and what you do and what you know is there always room for improvement, even an enhancement, not just improvement, let's just say enhancement and growth in your world as an executive uh, chef, as oh, yeah. experienced and seasoned you are, it's, you know, are you still learning? Oh, yeah, of course. So actually, it's funny. So um, I went to a culinary school in New York, uh, the Culinary Institute of America, or the cool people call it CIA. And um you know, so what we learn about all these old chefs and, you know, people who have changed the industry and one old French chef who really modernized French cuisine was Fernand Pointe. And uh, he has this quote that says in kitchens, one remains a student all the days of their life. So I would always say, yes, there is definitely room for improvement every day. Everything that you do can be just a little bit better every single day. So I try to put that into practice whenever I go to work, you know, to keep improving all the time. Do you let stress affect you in a kitchen? Um, yeah, I would, I would say, so number one, there's a lot of stress in kitchens, especially like, uh, fine dining, you know, busy restaurants. There's a lot of stress, a lot of yelling, things like that. Um, and the goal, I guess that these restaurants train you to do is to just not be phased by it. You know, so if you everybody knows how Gordon Ramsay yells at people and stuff like that, uh, for me and some of the restaurants I've worked at, that's reality. Um, if you do a small mistake or something, you can be getting screamed at in 10 seconds. Right. So um, the goal is to kind of just take all that negative energy and then try to put it towards something positive, which is moving faster or just getting the food out as quick as you can or whatever it is, you know, um, or just trying hard the next day. So that doesn't happen again. Uh it's really trying to take that almost kind of like a robot and just kind of take that and just cook food and not be phased by those emotions. In the kitchen, when we think about health, standing, uh, the floors, carpal tunnel, you know, what do people not realize and take in consideration or know of what being a chef of what you repetitively do? Does that wear and tear in a body? Are there certain things uh, you know, spine related, feet related, foot health, spine health, body health. Where do you find the balance and establish the balance? Like, do you get chiropractor treatments, acupuncture? Do you take breaks? What do you do so your body does not break down quickly? Because certain things that may seem every day, like chopping celery or, you know, standing on your feet for a certain amount of hours. 
that that can deteriorate a body very, very quickly. On top of you have to remain light fo- laser focus and you're delegating and you're leading and you're inspiring and you're educating all at the same time. Your industry and your profession is from a psychological and physical level is extremely and could be taxing um, and you have to have a certain level of health in order to do this long term. I, I that's what I believe. Yeah, no, that that is a hundred percent true. Um, so number, so it is pretty taxing on your body. Just like, like you said, the long hours, always standing, carrying really heavy pots. You get burned a lot. You know, I've had some pretty bad burns in my career. Um, you know, actually more from steam and water than anything else. You know, so that's the, one of the easiest ways to get burned. But um. You know, so all of that's really taxing, but I mean, most people, you know, the, the more they progress, the less time they're in the kitchen and the more time they're doing other things. So as I started my business and it's been growing, I'm cooking a little bit less and I'm doing more just like on the paperwork side of things, whatever, almost kind of like a normal nine to five job. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's one way to, you know, keep your body healthy is just, you know, hitting it, you know, or just like not hitting it hard as much, you know, um, but I would say that if people are stuck in the kitchen, you know, for a long time, it's pretty taxing. I do go to a chiropractor and that helps. Um, a lot of people will just get comfy mats to stand on uh, in the kitchen because it helps with their, you know, like their feet and their legs. Right. But there's a part of it you just can't you can't get away from. It's it's going to be taxing on your body for sure. Are you wearing any special insoles? Do you wear any certain uh, a brace or some sort of back support or anything underneath your clothes to make sure that you're always aware of your posture and you're not slouching and you're steady and and standing strong and working strong? Um, you know, not really. I probably should get like some better work shoes or something, but you know, it's one extra thing to think about for me, right? But uh, yeah, I kind of just you know just keep rolling with what I got. And, uh, you know, maybe I can't do it forever, but we'll see. Cause right now I'm, I'm going strong. There are some things and I've seen this people use dry ice when they're making cocktails. And you guys, I believe were using dry ice in a show. Usually any cooking show, there's some sort of dry ice formula that's being done. I'm going to honestly say that I am intimidated by dry ice and the idea especially after watching on tiktok somebody threw which is where these people sometimes get ideas it's unbelievable there was a pool indoors mike someone took a bucket of dry ice threw it in the pool all of the smoke and everything started going all over these people had hazmat suits on and he jumped in the pool it ended up to where uh, two people died from doing this. They weren't chefs. It's just they use dry ice. What can you do? Because you're going to educate me and everyone else that's listening. What is the importance of dry ice? What can you do with dry ice? Are th- What are the, uh, the takeaways and positives of dry ice and the do's and don'ts? All right. Dry ice. So I'm um, also a big thing we were using, um, which is even colder than dry ice on the show is liquid nitrogen. That's um, it. So there's okay. two of them. So I used, I used both of them. I use liquid nitrogen and dry ice on the show. And it's actually funny. Um, so liquid nitrogen, I used it a few times and I saw one comment on social media that was ladies, you got to find a guy that loves you. Like chef Mike loves liquid nitrogen. 
and I, <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. But um, for dry ice, right? So it's really its main purpose in cooking, right? So you can definitely make frozen dishes like ice creams, sorbets, things like that. You actually put it in a food processor with your your mix, and then you kind of drop dry ice in, and then it slowly cools that mixture just like you would with an ice cream machine. I personally don't prefer that. I would just make it, you know, in a traditional ice cream machine. But that's one main purpose of dry ice in, um, you know, in kitchens. And then I would say more on the fine dining side of things, um, it's a really great carrier of scent. And it also gives off, obviously, you know, the chills cold. So sometimes I'll put it underneath something to keep something cold. So like in that finale on Netflix, I uh, put dry ice in a bowl and then I covered it with pebbles and then I put a big scallop shell on top of those pebbles and then plated my dish inside that scallop shell. Mm -hmm. And then when you pour water on that ice, it gives off like that smoke for a presentation, but also it's keeping that scallop super cold. Um, So that's really a main purpose I see in a lot of fine dining restaurants is that in terms of the cocktails and stuff, um, I think that's a little bit harder to use just because I would be scared that people might accidentally like ingest it. Cause if you ingest the dry ice before it like melts, essentially it, um, it's the, it could kill you for sure. Like that's, that stuff is, you know, you shouldn't really mess with that. Um, in terms of eating and things like that, if you don't know what you're doing, but, um, yeah. And then obviously the don'ts besides eating it, right. Obviously dropping it in like a ton of water or a hot oil or anything like that, that's hot would probably be a don't for it. Cause you know, it can give off, a, it can kind of explode. Um, if you do it right, if you put it in something that's hot enough in a enclosed container, it will blow up like a bomb. <laughs> so, so it's, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty wild, you know? Uh, so definitely not for the faint of heart, but it is cool though. From your perspective, cause obviously I can easily Google it. I just rather find out from you if you're able to share what is the difference between dry ice and regular ice for people who are not very familiar with using it? And to be honest, before you answer that, there are people who would love to be someone like you or Robbie or any of the other chefs on the show that would like to experiment and learn, but may not have the money and resources or, or in a local area to attend university. What to, to just put it simply, what's the difference? And is dry ice, uh, is that man-made? Yeah, so to my understanding, dry ice is man-made. I, I, I given I'm pretty sure about this. And then actually it's a solid form of CO2 or carbon dioxide. So it's actually not ice at all. Um, it just looks like it. And then so that's why when it when it you know essentially melts. It doesn't melt like a liquid. It turns straight into a gas. Um, so that's so that's something just to kind of keep in mind. It's like, you know, um, it's not water, right? So you can't treat it like water. You can't treat it like regular ice. So when they use it in cocktails and things, all they're doing is using it to make something cold. Typically, it's not like, you know, they're not trying to ingest it at all. Makes sense. I appreciate that. And I always believe that you guys as chefs know better when we think of the the liquid nitrogen or dry ice because we've seen this we've seen it being used on shows you know it is used in real life and someone like you i trust that you're very articulate to know that you're going to be aware like if i were not if 
let's say I hire you as a chef or I'm coming to your restaurant. I know, and I can't say this for everyone, that when I'm going to eat something made by Mike Eccles, that you know every facet and detail as to why, what, and how, and I'm not going to be concerned like we can be sometimes with, like, does this chef... Did, did a chef put this together? Did a sous chef, like who put this together? Like, I'm not going to be scared to eat what you're yeah. putting out. Yeah, for sure. And so I would say, um, you know, fine dining restaurants where people who really know what they're doing, it, the food is going to be pretty safe. Um, now, even for allergies and things like that too. So where I used to work, if somebody had a peanut allergy, right. And they ordered French fries, but we had put something with nuts in our fryer we would get a whole separate pot of oil and then make them a personal order of French fries in the oil, which is kind of annoying when you're, you know, cooking a lot of food in a small range. But um, it's just something that you have to do for to keep people safe. Right. But the problem is not a lot of restaurants do that. You know, a lot of like your lower end, the big boys, things like that for nut allergies or whatever it is, they're probably not paying as close of attention as, you know, a lot of uh, well-trained chefs might be now that's not saying be afraid be afraid to go out to to dinner you know um it's more so just like ordering the right thing right um like if you have a nut allergy and you say hey can i get the macadamia crusted walleye but without the macadamias right you're kind of playing with fire there because those macadamias in the kitchen are right next to that fish right that's probably where the 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 cook has them at that time so, you know, they could probably cook it right and nothing happens, but they could also mess up and cross-contaminate something or whatever. And, you know, people could definitely get sick that way. That, and you went right into where I wanted to go next to find out from you. When we think about places uh, that have sushi or people who go to grocery stores and buy sushi or whatever, it's a serious thing, you know, where people are at with allergies and certain health restrictions and sensitivities. What are the signs? What can we know, whether it's your restaurant or, or if you want to share as a professional of what you do, how do you prevent cross-contamination if somebody has an allergy of something? What do you do? Where do you go? How is it prepared to make sure that there is no cross-contamination? Yeah, so um, when you, so at the end of the day, you just have to really have conscious chefs and conscious cooks, you know, so... um. To avoid cross-contamination, you know, you got to switch your cutting board if you were cutting something that's different on it or your pots or pans or whatever it is, anything where it could have touched something, you got to move it. Um, and really, at the end of the day, it's just having properly trained staff. Um, that's really the best way uh, to avoid anything like that. Anyone who would like to be a professional chef? someone with the type of knowledge that you have, or if someone would like to, who already believes that they never went to uh, CIA, however, they have decades of culinary experience because it's in their blood, it's in their family lineage, you know, things get passed down. What do you recommend for anyone who would like to go to, go to university and what to expect of time, education and resourcing, or if they're already established, what do you believe believe would be needed to take their customers' experience to the next level to do what you're doing in your restaurants? Okay. Yeah. So um so I actually get these questions a lot from people just starting off their career. But so number one, like you don't need culinary school. 
um, to be a good chef. Like, like it's not like being a lawyer. It's not like where I need specific credentials where I can do my job. It's like anyone can technically be a chef, right? Um, so I would say for culinary school, it's like you don't necessarily have to go. So for me, I always knew I wanted to be a chef ever since I was a little kid. And um, I knew I wanted to go to CIA and my family had the means to send me out there. So I don't regret it at all. I think that was the best decision I could have made. Like, I think that's the best culinary school in the world. Um, but if let's say you were someone who was like, oh, you know, money's a little bit more tight or, you know, I don't know if I can have the time commitment or whatever it is. Maybe culinary school is not the best route because I've met some really great chefs who they just learn on the job. Um, and for those people who are trying to learn, I would say find the best restaurant you can with a chef who's willing to teach you and just give it your all. You know, show up, show up early, stay late, do whatever you got to do. Um, be the hardest working person in the room. And uh, that's how you're going to learn um, all the things that chefs like me who have been cooking for over a decade know uh, is just that hard work in a restaurant. Um, and personally, I've learned, you know, more working in restaurants than I did at culinary school. So it's definitely not a necessity. Um, and for the people who like the chefs who are already established, who they want to take their food to the next level or whatever that is. One thing I would say is just, you know, look up the Michelin star restaurants of the world. There's those are the best restaurants in the world and look at their books. So a lot of places like 11 Madison Park, La Bernadette, all these different places have cookbooks that you can buy and you can see how they plate things. You can see how they cut things, all this different stuff. The French Laundry Cookbooks, you know, a classic by Thomas Keller. And um, that's really where I would go next. You know, I got a lot of inspiration from a lot of those chefs and a lot of their books. And uh, that can really give you a lot of knowledge to do kind of the fine dining side of things. I appreciate you and your time for being with us today on Power 98.5 Live on Air with Stephen Cuoco. Who would you like to give a shout out to? Oh, who do I want to give a shout out to? Um, let's get let's let's give a shout out to uh, my mother. I don't know if she's listening right now. She might be. She knew I was coming on, but uh, you know, thanks, mom. Appreciate everything. And any closing thoughts? Um. Nope. Yeah. You know, my only, my only closing thought is, you know, if you haven't already, you know, I got a, uh, if you want to see cool food, I got a great social media. It's a boat fine dining, um, or my personal one, which you had mentioned earlier. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much everything. And you're on cameo now. Oh, I'm on cameo as well. I forgot about that. Yes, I am on cameo. I've been doing a lot of like, you know, um, you know, people are asking me for cooking advice and things like that. So I've been getting a lot of those through Cameo and just trying to help people out the best that I can. Al, we got a quick question. Alex from Vancouver, this is what he sent in to us. He said, I love the movie Burnt starring Bradley Cooper. He said, you remind me of him from the film after watching the show. Here's my question to you. What do you have to say about that? Did you ever watch the movie? Do you know the movie? Yep. So actually that came out when I was at culinary school. So me and some friends went to see it. And, um, you know, they kind of nailed it for a lot of the aspects of what they were portraying in that movie were pretty uh, accurate for fine dining restaurants. My favorite part of the whole movie was when they were cleaning the kitchen, just how they cleaned it. It's like it's not how a normal like, you know, like person at home would clean their kitchen, but it was spot on for fine dining restaurants. So I thought that was really neat. Um, and yeah, a lot of their food looked even pretty good on that on that movie. I don't know what chef they talked to, but. 
they definitely nailed it. I thought with the movie Burns. I appreciate that. And from Alex, because uh, here's my question: I watched that movie three times, and what I would like to ask of you is: It really true that the the people or Michelin people that you call them? They come in pairs, they stick the fork on the floor and they go through this routine. Was that, is that real? So obviously the Michelin inspectors, um, you know, are really particular on everything. Now in terms of dropping the fork and stuff, I don't know if that's as accurate as people make it seem. I've personally never talked to a Michelin restaurant inspector to my knowledge. Maybe I did, but they were kind of just staying undercover, which I'm sure they have to do. Um, but yeah, they're definitely looking at everything though. They're looking at ambience of the restaurant, how the servers are dressed, you know, all these little nuances and things on the plate does is every garnish on the plate, the exact same size, things like that. So they're really particular on their food. So a lot of chefs are, you know, burning the candle at both ends just to make those guys happy. I love it. I love this. Thank you, Mike. Very different from Robbie. Uh, his interview, I like and really appreciate the different perspectives you guys are offering. Thank you for, for taking the time. I hope you didn't lose any money or any service since being on. Oh no, not at all. <laughs> um, stay on the line. We're going to, we're going to close out. Is there anything else that you would like to share with us before we move on with our day, Mike? No, I think that's everything. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you to everyone for joining us today. All things Mike Eccles, head on over to his uh, Instagram page, Mike has the flav but it's f-l-a-v he's also on cameo head on over to his website abodefinedining.com a-b-o-d-e-f-i-n-e-d-i-n-i-n-g remember we just had brian quinn check the local podcast stations or channels iheart spotify amazon music amazon audible uh, if you happen to miss today's interview with mr brian quinn star of impractical jokers on true tv and tbs season 10 premieres february 8th check your local listings we have mma fighter luke fernandez uh tomorrow at 3 p.m pacific 6 p.m eastern if you have questions, comments, want to share the love, whether you're on the iOS or Android app or the website, send us a direct message. Alex, out there in Canada, thank you for today's question. One of my favorite movies, Burnt. Appreciate that very, very much. Uh, if you want to be a guest on any of our shows, send us an email, power98.5radio at gmail.com or contact at power985.com. Have a great day, a great weekend, everyone. And once again, Happy New Year. Friend us on your socials and let's connect.